Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. And welcome back to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast where we cover the most elite conference in all of college sports, the Pac-12. My name is Avery, and I am joined with Carlos. Hello. Matt. It, it, why did you qualify it with college? I, I feel like it's just all sports. Greg. Fire Greg Burhalter. And if you aren't already, follow us on Twitter at No Truck Stops Pod. We also have an Instagram now. I don't know what's happening over there. Sometimes Carlos like does stories. <laughs> I'm getting burgers. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I went to Tempe and Tucson. I had to. I had to. I had to do a little review. Give some. Did get you some save content them? Up there. Did you save them as highlights in Instagram? Do you know how to do that? Uh, what's a? That I'll show a you. Fucking highlight. You should no though. Idea. So everyone can go back and. I've watch literally never used Instagram before. The Burger Chronicles. You're the. You're aware that the eldest, the eldest millennial here is the one that is running our Instagram account. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, something you want us to talk about, you can always email us at no truckstopspod at gmail.com, Right. Is that what our email is? Uh, no truck stops podcast. Uh, no truck stops podcast. Very bad decision for me to uh, make them different than the rest of our. Yeah, it's on our here we go. Twitter. If for some reason we you don't actually need we don't read that anyways. You can also Carlos says he does, but I don't believe it. <laughs> do we get emails? Uh, that's confidential. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. You all, all have start, access to I'll the account. Start yeah. writing sure I, emails. I've I'm never checked sure it. I'm pretty sure you all have the password. Yeah, I think you gave us the password. I've yeah. never logged in. Um. Also. Took me like three months to log into the Twitter. <laughs> if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or you're not and you have an Apple device, you should go rate and review it. We won't give you a hundred dollar gift card, but we'll appreciate like, it. Like certain other podcasts. Like certain other Hey, no, I, I will send underwear out. <laughs> I, I am willing to do that. That I will absolutely mail you some Matt, underwear. Matt <laughs> will send you podcast worn game worn underwear absolutely absolutely zero qualification needed there i think everybody knows what i mean by that i'm so happy this is the intro um all right so we had only four games this weekend thank god um you could watch them all without pulling out extra tv screens which was nice so i can we i I talked a lot of shit about that actually it was awful y'all just too much downtime like the morning was terrible. Oh, I, I had nothing to do. I thought it was great. I went to Tucson. I, I love. I loved it. I went to Tucson. Went to Saguaro National Park. Walked around a little bit. I had so much time, and then we got into sicko mode at one p.m. It was yeah. beautiful. Well, I, I do God wish punished it me for watching truck stops football when I was watching Texas Oklahoma, and then the local uh, ABC affiliate switched to the BYU game mid fourth quarter, and I very nearly committed an act of. Terrorism. It wasn't even mid fourth quarter. It was like three minutes left, wasn't it? I, I don't remember it, what I the thought exact it was like, time was. But it was, it was right before awful. It was right before Oklahoma scored a touchdown too. Oh my god! Why are we talking about truck stops? Sorry, on the no truck stops. Moving podcast? on. Um, I do this wish I do wish we would have had a Pac twelve game at like noon. That would have been nice. But mm. this week we do. 
and we'll get to that. So since we only had four games, we'll get a chance to talk about each of them and give each team some love, maybe not. Um, we'll do some midseason awards. Now that we are officially halfway through the Pac-12 season, that went by really fast. Yeah. Um, but moments. first, let's start with our big upset. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that this is the big upset. This is so funny. Washington State beat Oregon State 31-24, to taking down yet another team that was undefeated in conference play. Oregon State falls 4-2, four to four and, two, and Wazoo goes to 3-3 three and three on the season. The line for this game was already weird since the Beavs were just a three-point favorite. But were any of you guys shocked by how this game turned out, Greg? I was extremely shocked. I bet on Oregon State to cover. I thought the line was way too small. Obviously, Vegas is smarter than me because Wazoo won outright. But uh, that was just embarrassing from Oregon State. Like, to lose to that team when you've looked so good, like, how do you let that happen? Uh, Wazoo, good job on the win. Your offense showed up. Uh, and you did a good job frustrating Chance Nolan, who was really, really not good. Like, cost them the game with how bad he was. Uh, Oregon State's offensive line and, rece- and running backs did better because they were, like, incredible, as they always are, and they just got let down by a terrible defensive performance uh, in the second half, and Chance Nolan not helping them out when they needed to be helped out. Was was this the game where I had like the two minute rant about how you need to bet on this spread for Oregon yes, State to cover? You leaned in real close think, to the I microphone. I think you need to said, splice listen, that in here. Listen, so, so we can roast me because I like was thinking about that during the whole game, how much money I was losing because I was so confident. And when you say like Chance Nolan ruined it for the Beavs, I think it was more coaching. Like they were running the ball so well uh bj baylor and fenwick both of their running backs were averaging over eight yards per carry they each had over 100 yards bj baylor almost had 150 yards on the ground they were getting whatever they wanted and for some reason johnny smith kept going to the passing game and it made no sense because they were running so well they're the best rushing offense in the conference so i mean if you watched that game, which I know some of us didn't here, <clears throat> you would you would have noticed like the whole game, like holy shit, Oregon State's gonna ruin it for themselves. Like they were making Washington State look good. And this is the second in a row I've said this. I said this after Cal. I was like, why is Cal making Washington State look good? And they're starting to convince me that Washington State isn't actually a terrible team, and I don't like that because I don't think they're good. So the conclusion I've drawn is that every team in the Pac twelve is bad <laughs> it's a good conclusion um yeah i was i was uh like you all shocked at jonathan smith i like how when he's bad he's johnny smith um when he's good <laughs> he's jonathan smith yeah his decision to go away from the run game early um and put the ball in chance Nolan's hands that shit was shocking um nolan threw the ball 25 times in this game um that was the first time that Nolan threw for more than 19 times since exactly, almost exactly one month ago on September 11th against Hawaii. Um, it's been 19, 19, 16, and 15, I think. Um, that decision to pass as many times as they did, I think, was hurting, hurting Oregon State a lot um, because it felt so many of these decisions to pass 
were on first down and really put the beeves behind the stick early on. Um, and frankly, it was kind of completely needless to have Nolan throw. It's not like Oregon State was down two scores or trailing for much of this game. They actually had a lead early on. Um, and it and like Avery and Greg said, like it wasn't like Oregon State was struggling to get what they wanted on the ground. I do think there were moments where I think Washington State did a good job on you know individual plays of wrapping up B.J. Baylor, Deshaun Fenwick. Um, but overall, they, they ended the game with 309 rushing yards, the vast, vast majority of those coming from their running backs, uh, B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fenwick. So, um, you know, you sort of wonder, like, what happens if uh, Chance Nolan does throw six fewer times and they put the ball on B.J. Baylor and Deshaun Fenwick's hands those extra six times, where that's coming from. Um, but... On the Washington State side, I think we do have to start talking about them as a, you know, as a competent team. That's fine. That's really not at the baseline, but is probably going to get bowl eligible or threaten bowl eligibility, maybe take down a team or two. I mean, I guess that could change after October 18th when the vaccine mandate ends. And we'll talk about that in our, you know, later on. I know we have something about that. But, yeah, just shocked by Smitty's decision to pass as much as he did. All right. I was trying to let everybody have their piece um, because I, being the only intelligent human on this stupid podcast, That's fair. <laughs> actually picked this one correctly. I specifically said that Jaden Laura was going to have a great game. I didn't actually say a great game. I just said that he was going to pull it out. Um, he had a really, really good game. Um, 20, uh, 32 for 45, 399, three to one touchdown to interception. Uh, plus 80 QBR. Like that was a really, really good game by him. Um, I'm hearing what y'all are saying from an offensive perspective uh, about Oregon state. This was a massive, 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 I, I either or either Washington state absolutely going insane offensively or a huge Oregon state, uh, defensive problem. And I think that it may be something that's kind of been showing itself. I think it's been showing itself in the way that Jonathan Smith has been calling plays where he has been very big on ball control, uh, very big on holding it and going for the field goal last week, rather than actually just going for the touchdown and trusting a defense to get a stop. He, you know, very specifically did not want to be putting his defense back out on the field. I know that everybody's talking about how great of a coaching decision that was, Sure. I just, I don't think that it's just that much of a vacuum where you should always play for the field goal. Um, in the second half of this game, Washington state went touchdown, 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 end of game. Oregon state did not get a single stop. And, and these were not big, huge, massive plays. It was seven plays. It was seven plays. It was four. Like they, Washington state was getting whatever they wanted in the second half. And Oregon State did not have any competency whatsoever of being able to get a stop. Like you can't, I, I have this rule where anytime a defense gives up less than 25 points, I'm never going to blame a defense for losing a game. Well, I don't necessarily think that like scoring 24 points is something that should exempt an offense from blame. I, I do think that a situation where if you're scoring on half of your drives, you should be able to win that football game. And that's what Oregon State did. And going through here and not being able to get any stop whatsoever in the second half, you're you're just you're not gonna win that ball that football game. You're just not. Yeah, that makes me sad. I didn't want to say it. I tweeted it a few times, but watching Oregon State play defense is requires a lot of prayer. Um, it is very hard to watch. They have to work their asses off to get a stop. 
it feels like they're putting everything into it every time they prevent Washington State from getting more than five yards on a down. And so it just makes me sad because I love Oregon State so much, but their defense is not great. It's a genuine problem. SP Plus has them rated as the 105th defense in the nation. Arizona is the only one that is worse than the Pac-12 at 108th. Like, it's it's a problem. Now, they have the second-best offense in the Pac-12 at number 12, so, like, their variance is certainly, like, at an absolutely insane rate, but that's, that's something that is a problem, and it showed this week. I see what you mean. Like, the defense obviously was the most at fault, but at the same time, like, they could have won despite that, you know? Like, their run game was good enough to the point where they could have won despite that if Chance Nolan made a few throws or if they relied on Chance Nolan a little less. But yeah, definitely the defense was more at fault. Well, and and Washington State's defense is no great shakes, um, right? And that's the other part of the equation that we're missing is that uh, Washington State's defense is, um, I'd have to go back and look at the SP plus ratings. I'll do that sort of on the side here. So I like that's kind of the surprising thing. To Matt's point, though, he's right. Oregon State um, and Greg and Avery, all, like, uh, Oregon State could like had no answers for Washington State in the second half. Um, Washington State was also getting whatever it wanted, and um, I think a lot of that is, uh, as much as we hate to say it, some really good scheming from uh, Nick Rolovich, and um, putting putting Jaden Delora, I think, in good positions that he could sort of make things happen. Oregon State's defense has had a problem all year. Um, this is not the first time we're talking about Oregon State's defense. It does feel like every single play they're hanging on for dear life. Like it feels like. <laughs> It feels like every week um, Oregon State is playing Ohio State or something where it's just like, oh, you know, another seven yards, another eight yards here, another seven yards here. And, um, you know, just sort of like letting uh, letting teams accumulate yards and uh, sort of get downfield. So, yeah, I mean, disappointing performance, I think, from from Oregon State on both sides of the ball against a team that um, they really should beat and is definitely not one of the better teams they've played. Does anyone have any other thoughts? about Oregon State or Wazoo. All right, in Tempe. Oh, bye-bye, Rolly. We'll talk about that more. Uh, in Tempe, Arizona State throttled Stanford 28-10, to off another big night from ASU. Running backs Rashad White and Chip Trainum, who combined for 172 yards off of just 26 attempts. This one was over pretty early, although the score didn't change much since ASU took a 21-7 to lead with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Any big takeaways for this game from you, Matt? Um, not really. I Stanford is competent as ever, and um, really uh, got Tanner McKee went on a, a little bit of a total yards merchant in this game, um, and so we're gonna we're gonna ride off of that for a little while here. But otherwise, yeah, this is just this was a pretty hapless performance. Um, and definitely very much a situation where Arizona State got to play exactly the way that Herm Edwards wants them to, which means that they're only going to win by two scores. Um, so, it, yeah, it was fine. It was boring. It was a Friday night game. It's one of those things where just Friday night road teams never have a chance, and we know this. So I'm just I'm really not taking very much out of this game at all. Yeah, I guess I finally have to admit that Arizona State is good. I think, I don't know, I have a hard time admitting that with this conference. But I feel like it's necessary that I remind all of you that don't watch every football game 
outside of your own teams that just because Stanford beat Oregon, it doesn't mean they're good, doesn't mean they're an elite team. So looking at this win as some elite win for ASU is stupid and you should not do that. And if you do that, I'll make fun of you on the internet. Um, I was really impressed with Arizona State's running backs. I think they take a lot of heat off of Jaden Daniels, which is makes them just a really balanced offense, which is cool to see. And their defense is really solid too. Tanner McKee's a really good quarterback, like I've been saying for the last few episodes. So limiting him to 10 points. I mean, he did have pretty good stats this game. But limiting him to 10 points is, I would say, pretty impressive. So... Arizona State, congratulations. I don't think you're bad. <laughs> what a distinction. Uh, I went the opposite, complete opposite direction and said that my takeaway from this game is that ASU is the Pac-12's, I think, most complete team still. Um, they ran Stanford off early. Uh, Stanford didn't really much ha- have much of a chance early on. Um, and even though they didn't do much else, I think a lot of that was sort of Herm sitting on the ball like he always does, Arizona State, um, not doing much. Uh, making sure no one's running up the score, getting super conservative, which at the time, maybe this is just my like UCLA PTSD, felt a little nerve-wracking because I think Stanford can sneak up on teams and play their best ball when they're in a huge hole. Um, I was really impressed. On top of their running backs, I was really impressed with Arizona State's defense. Stanford is not a good running team. Hasn't been all season, but I think they only had like 13 yards on the ground this game. Um, I think also Arizona State is the first team to make Tanner McKee look bad, like very, very bad. Um, Tanner McKee, I think, came into this game with zero interceptions, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Arizona State turned him over three times. Um, I think... Stanford had to rely, as they have always had to rely on Tanner McKee to make their offense work. Um, but Arizona State secondary was really good. It felt like every time Stanford was making a catch, it had to be like some sort of contested catch against an ASU defensive back who was just in the right place all the goddamn time. Um, obviously, I think uh, you know. I think this is also the first time that we saw Tanner McKee really get roughed up and, and put under pressure a lot. I thought ASU's front seven was really good. Jaden Daniels did not have a great game. But um, I think that part of that is that Stanford secondary is very good. Caillou Blue Kelly all over the place, as he always is. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I just – it's hard to think about. And and since the UCLA game, um, really since the second quarter of the UCLA game, Arizona State's played some clean football to the point where I'm like, I'm not sure that the narrative about their discipline and penalties are going to be relevant if they keep this up. So, I don't know. They Arizona State's starting to look like – uh, a real legitimate Pac-12 contender right now. They're starting to look like an 11-1 team right now. They, if I had to choose right now, I think they look better than Oregon does. So uh, my takeaway from this game is that I just I'm really impressed with Arizona State. I'm really excited for the test that they'll get next week, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, for me, I, I have a Who's calling Stanford an elite win? Like, Are people doing that? Carlos, fans. apparently. Avery seems to think they are. <laughs> well, they're just, I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of uh, suggestions on Twitter, like, that beating Stanford proves a lot. I don't think it proves That's that teams much. with PTSD because Stanford kicks their ass every year when they shouldn't. That's right. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess the ASU fans, I hadn't considered them, but they're, yeah, I guess they're probably taking that as like a transitive win over Oregon or whatever, but 
I mean, they're better than Oregon. Ohio they're be- they're better than Oregon right now. They, I'm, I'm flat I think out. Arizona State. Not Stanford. I think let, Arizona let State has clear. looked better. Yeah, not Stanford. Arizona State. I think Arizona State has looked better than Oregon, but I don't think winning beating Stanford means you'd be Ohio State. <laughs> I don't think beating Stanford at. means you'd beat Oregon. Even yeah. you know, like I don't know who I'd pick to win that game. In fact, I'd probably favor Oregon. But uh, as for this game on its own, uh, Stanford was. Uh, I had hoped they would do better than that, but uh, it was not a great showing. That game was not nearly as close as the score like indicated. It was over at halftime, you know. Uh, Arizona State's good. I voted them number one in our uh, in our poll this week. But uh, Jaden Daniels is looking great. The running backs are as advertised, uh, and the discipline has gotten so much better. Like they're, they're no. not just giving okay. away penalties. I'm I'm gonna fight this. No, you got okay. I understand they're not getting penalties. That's all well and good. They gave up eight eight rushing tackles for a loss to Stanford. There was eight tackles for a loss in the run game. I know that their run game is good. I know that they were able to run the the ball a lot of times. I know that that was just a high percentage of plays that they ran. There is still discipline issues. They still, Stanford had five explosive plays in the pass game. Yes, they kicked Tanner McKee's ass. Explosive plays in the pass game are big, and they still had five of them. There are Everyone still, gives up explosive no, plays to Stanford. shut up. Everyone does. There are, sti- Everyone there does. are still significant UCLA concerns here. fan talking. Yeah, th- there are still, like, I'm I'm. I'm hearing, not saying they're, like, super most disciplined, but they're not, like, I mean, they were comically bad earlier in the season, and now they're just, like, they seem average. And when, when, when Stanford's entire offense is built on passing the ball, for, they had 45 passing attempts. You're going to give up some big plays. Stanford only came away with that with 10 points um, at the end of it. And Stanford's receivers are good. They have probably, what, the second or third best receiver room Without in the conference? Without Tremaine, I think it gets a lot worse. Elijah Higgins is good. I really like he Elijah good. Higgins. I still and think he's a, he's I another still guy think he's a really good, good work for my fantasy team. But not having Tremaine I just don't, still hurts. Yeah, I just don't think that that's a discipline issue, particularly because Stanford's getting pass yards on everyone. I like. I, think I don't the tackers, think this is unique to Arizona State. Were a better example of the discipline issues than that, but that's a different kind of. Discipline. I just Stanford isn't USC. Like this isn't a team that is just going out there and out athleting you for a twenty-five yard pass. I know they did, but like that's just it's not. I I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Eleven and one, saying that they look like an eleven and one like team right now is just an absolutely fraudulent statement they don't they simply do not you don't give up that many havoc plays in a game to and and be a, a team that's going to run the table over the next six games you just don't yeah, i wouldn't pick them to do that those havoc plays However, are going to turn into points against a team that doesn't absolutely suck at following up anything who Stanford. Oregon. Stanford sucks at following no, up anything. no who who follows who in this conference yeah, but they wouldn't up play on Oregon until the they're gonna play oregon and oregon is going to give them a massive amount of trouble if they're giving up that kind of havoc rate to stanford oregon's front seven is a lot better significantly better utah's front seven is significantly better um we're going to talk about where utah is at and whether or not i actually trust what they're doing right now because usc might actually just be plain dog shit but like i there's they're definitely tests ahead they haven't played ucla yet there's this is not i like i get it i I voted them number one too i think they're number one 
and I, I we talk so much about how if a college football team is not elite, we call them bad. There are two bad teams in the conference. Everybody else is good. Everybody else is solid. Like everybody else is above the level of what I think BYU is as a program, and BYU beat this team. When you say as a program, like I guess I don't know, but I don't think I would not call Cal good. Yeah, I mean, whatever. There's three. I think there's three <laughs> bad teams. But, okay. Should we move That's on fine. since uh since we're since we're doing a little unholy war rivalry talk already? Um, do you want to? Should we move on to the USC Utah game? Yeah. So in LA, Utah smoked USC forty-two to twenty-six. This was another blowout for USC at home. Their third straight loss in the Coliseum. All three games were two-score losses, and all three times USC allowed forty-two or more points. For Utah to stay undefeated in conference play and improve to four and two. Also, this is the first time Utah has ever won in the Coliseum. The first time they beat USC in LA since nineteen sixteen, which is kind of insane considering that Oregon State beat USC in the Coliseum for the first time since 1960 this year. Kind of love it. Um, So our question is, how much of this is Utah improving and how much of this is USC just being dog shit, as Matt put it? Carlos. Yeah, I think there's going to be a whole lot of Utah circle jerking. But before that happens, I think this was more of a function of USC being atrocious. Um, This is now, as you said, Avery, the third game at home that USC gives up 42-plus points. Third game at home now, uh, third in a row where USC gets blown out, um, and the score, again, doesn't do the blowout justice. I don't want to take too much from Utah because, again, they have not won in the Coliseum ever. Um, But I do want to say I think this might be the worst USC team since at least this millennium, um, if not longer than that, it's at least many times worse than that uh, 2018 USC team that went five and seven, because that team did not get blown out with the regularity with which this team is getting blown out this season. Um, defensively, this team is hitting its floor right now. Like USC is hitting the basement uh, defensively. It's so bad that I'm starting to rethink Oregon State and Stanford's performances against them because both of them also hung 42 plus on USC and since then both have hit some pretty brutal um, patches on offense say uh, what y'all want about Cam Rising and Tavion Thomas I think both look very good I think y'all will talk about them a lot but I think we have to start looking at offensive performances against USC with some super skeptical eyes. Um, and if you just look at past opponents, uh, Stanford is averaging almost 22 points per game against Pac-12 teams since playing USC. And Oregon State is averaging 25 points per game since playing USC. The national average, just for some context, is around 27 points per game. So both of those scoring offenses are below the national average since playing uh, USC. So I think to answer this question... I just think USC is very bad and is hitting its floor right now. Yeah, I definitely think a lot of it has to do with how bad USC has been playing. But I just have to say I'm very impressed that Utah was able to do offense. Even if USC's defense was terrible, Utah did offense, and I'm very proud of them. Um, There were some concerns with offensive line still, which has been kind of a thing the entire season, but I think they looked much better as the game went on and our run game like hit its stride and Tavion Thomas didn't fumble the ball away, which was super nice to see. And Cam Rising looks like a very obvious improvement over Charlie Brewer. Again, I think USC's um, defense is worse than San Diego State's and BYU's, which is insane to say, but... I'm impressed that 
Utah scored this many points because it's Utah. They don't do that very often. I think if Utah was actually bad and just taking advantage of a bad USC defense, Utah would have scored under 30 points because that's just how it goes. Um, I think like the biggest takeaway for Utah in this game is how good their defense looked. Utah, I think I'm convinced Utah has the best defense in the conference. I might get yelled at for that. I know. It's not Colorado, Carlos. Is like, Carlos, shut up. Carlos is having an aneurysm right now. <laughs> I don't think there's one defense that has stood out necessarily more than Utah has. Arizona State, but continue. Okay. Yeah, without the penalties, they have looked good, but yeah, go on. Yeah, penalties. Um, I don't know. I thought Utah looked, Utah's defense looked really good. Um, Slova still had 400 passing yards, but they didn't win. So. <laughs> and a lot of a that lot comes of, in garbage time, A lot time of it was too. garbage minutes, too. They, USC fucking loves their garbage time scores. So, I mean, Drake London had 160 yards, which it, if you were watching the game, it didn't feel like that. Like, I feel like it was. Oh, a, it absolutely a, felt like that. Are you kidding me? I've I don't know. Maybe I was drunk or something. That murderous fuck. It's because it wasn't. Yeah, like he wasn't keeping USC in the game. Like he, he was had, early. He like they have. He didn't have early, that many yeah. explosive catches. It was a lot of like ten yard yeah. catches. You know. Yeah, there was no sixty yard touchdowns by Drake London. I mean, so. He- let me just have this anyways i'm good i think utah has a good defense maybe it's not the best in the conference i'm gonna say it is that's my utah propaganda for the day um and i'm very excited for this week's matchup i think it's going to finally tell me whether or not utah is good i i i don't know i don't know anything in this conference if we're being honest (laughs) yeah um so I talked about this last week where USC is a um, massive variance team, especially from um, sides of the ball, where if one side of the ball has it going, the other side will pick it up and vice versa. If one side of the ball is struggling, the other side will completely drop off. And we've seen that with their defense all year long, that if the offense is scoring and the offense is doing well, they are actually motivated. They actually go out and they absolutely shut teams down. And the second that the team, that the game gets out of hand in any way, shape or form, I don't know if it's that the SC defenders go like stat hunting and just like start playing completely undisciplined, but they have fallen apart in second halves all year long. A lot of those offensive performance that you're talking about are a lot of the garbage time that we talk about USC loving is garbage time. Just it's third quarter garbage time instead of end of fourth quarter garbage time. Um, the thing I am kind of throwing away a lot of the second half of this Utah game there's a couple of things that I do think that genuinely matter I think that the first half was genuinely an an accurate depiction of who these teams are right now um and yeah I Utah offensed in the first half I they only um they what they went into half at like with 20 points I think it was um they they were actually positive in EPA they were actually moving the ball they were actually doing they weren't turning the ball over they didn't fumble eight times and a half big big props big big improvement for this utah team and you know just generally i think getting the monkey off the back matters a lot um drink london is still absolutely insane he 
um, he had a play with his touchdown in the second quarter where he hurdled and, Mm -hmm. and hurdling feels like something that like is not accurate. Cause this dude, it was so effortless. He jumped over a mountain. Like he could have left his legs completely extended and would have still completely cleared the defender. It was one of the more like everybody says hurtling is really stupid. And why would you do that and get hurt? Yeah. Cause that, cause you'll clear the guy by three feet and be fine. Um, this was a good win by Utah. This was a really good win. This was a, a first half that looked legitimate. And then USC just did not care in the second half. And I'm entirely fine admitting that. Um, another one that your boy picked correctly. I think we're going to see a theme here as we continue to review these games, but, um, yeah, Carlos, I agree that there's, there's some reevaluation of previous teams. Um, I am more really, really concerned and intrigued by USC's complete inability to create havoc on defense in any way, shape, or form. Um, that is as a huge piece of being able to play like your break, don't bend defense, and they're not doing any sort of game breaking on that side of the ball. And it makes it really easy to string drives together when you're not having any negative plays on offense. Yeah, David Woods uh, and the Pac-12. Uh, sorry, I always do this. Uh, the podcast of champions. Uh, I think he recently said a couple of weeks ago. I was listening to it, and uh, they were sort of talking about USC's talent level. Um, and really, it's sort of the first time in a long time that USC's talent level needs to be evaluated and thought of as a, you know, typically you get a coach and someone coaches up uh, the players well, and it's a one-year turnaround from six and six to eleven and one or something like that. And I think they've seen it as a bit more of a potential rebuilding process where they may need a year or two to bring the talent level and coach the talent level and develop it to a point where they could start making those things happen. Cause a lot of that I feel like is it, it, it does look like USC isn't able to get home. Sorry, Greg, I interrupted. Spe- specifically ahead. in those spots that Cristobal right has, has made the movement, right? I'm not Greg, yeah. but, but specifically in those, <laughs> in those spots that Cristobal has, has made such a difference at Oregon. Yes. I There's agree. Greg. Yeah. Uh, so, Carlos, at the beginning, you said uh, you made a good point about uh, offenses that play USC need to be reevaluated afterwards because USC made them look a lot better than they were. And I agree to that with that to an extent. Like, the thing with Stanford and Oregon State against USC, they were doing the same things they always do. It just worked a lot better. Whereas the reason I'm going to be more encouraged by Utah's offense going forward is that they weren't doing the same things. Like, it started out same Utah offense we've seen, which is unimaginative play calling. Just run up the middle, run up the middle, pass, run up the middle, pass, run up the middle. And then they started throwing more, and they started letting Rising do more. And that was really encouraging, because if they keep doing that, their offense is going to keep looking better. And I don't think they're going to put up that many points on another team this season, because... Like USC's defense is that bad, but yeah, I they do play think Arizona. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, they, yeah, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, they're not going to put that many points with, up without on Arizona McLeod. State. They also play Oregon State too. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, just bad. There are bad defenses, so maybe they will put up that many points, but they're not going to put that many points up on Arizona State next week. Uh, but I do think they'll look better than they have in the first few weeks, assuming Ludwig continues to 
<laughs> continues to do what makes the offense look good, to continues to call good plays and score a lot of points. I, I do um, think... What's... I, go ahead, Avery. I was going to ask what USC's defense SP Plus rating is. 83rd in the nation. Yeah. I, I'd say maybe it's not true analytically, but just sort of watching this, it feels like USC's defense is the worst in the league. Um, I... I think or I think Arizona's defense is also a lot like Oregon State and they're hanging on by a thread, but largely they're competent um, and they tackle well and they're it's just that their talent level is, is not there. But USC's defense just um, it's horrific. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it other than it's just like really, really bad. And, and I do think that um, it, it's hard. You know, it's always. You know, I'm always like looking for consistency. I think we saw with Stanford um, that they had some offensive potency. Um, I think with Oregon State, I think we saw a lot of their offensive potency before the USC game. This is a, I mean, this is an aberration for Utah. Um, like they don't have offensive explosions like this hardly ever, and particularly this year, it's looked bad. And so that's the one thing I don't know that I want to trust it with. But there's. You know, there's certainly uh, things to be encouraged by, like Cam Rising looked good um, and uh, against, again, a bad defense, and Tavion Thomas wasn't fumbling the ball, and I'd like to think that, you know, uh, it, it's not because USC is particularly horrible at causing ball security issues. Um, so maybe. Um, I think maybe we could be getting to a point where we sort of were at the end of last year, where Utah and Arizona State were kind of started off rough um, and didn't look particularly good and then really turned on the Jets to end the year, and maybe both are just getting in there, um, getting getting comfortable. Does anyone else have any thoughts on this game? I do think Carlos needs to apologize for the slander he uh, aimed at Cam Rising over the last few weeks. Yeah, the hashtag worked, okay? The hashtag has worked. You've been calling him, like, atrocious. You had him as, like, the 10th best quarterback in the conference. He was not good. Are you not watching these games? He has not not been good. It was not his fault. Okay, I mean, yes, but these are the things. He's only started two games, Carlos. He has, and he has not looked good until this USC game. Until it, this is until, his second game starting. And by the way, and by the way, to, to Stanford, um, to, about the Stanford thing, they ran for 150 yards against USC. Stanford, like verifiably, objectively, the worst rushing team in the conference. So I just, I just want to say that USC does highlight a lot of teams, and like, good for Utah for figuring that out. But we shouldn't talk about Utah, otherwise we're going to get accused of being a Utah podcast. We've we've talked a lot about USC right now. I, it back to you said Drake London. I, that dude is insane, y'all. Like, you talk about how it felt like Utah really contained him. He went for ten yards a play. Like, no, it's that's absurd. better than having those thirty-yard touchdowns. That's though, containment. You know? though, I, that's insane. Ben, yeah, don't break. Um, it's also so. Last week we talked about how um, Drake London really took over the game and made it so that um, all the rest of the wide receivers, how the rest of the wide receivers had a one hundred percent success rate um, last week. This week, not a single wide receiver had a higher success rate than Drake London. Drake London was at 70%. Um, Malcolm Epps was at 67%. Nobody else was above 50% in success rate. That There was some some interesting and, and very much so, you know, you talk about containment. It definitely, it almost felt like, and this is where we talk about the talent at USC, it felt like Utah kind of said, Drake London, do your thing. We're not going to let anybody else beat us, which is absurd to say about a USC team yeah 
All right. So the final game of the night, UCLA beat Arizona in a mud fight, 34-16 to in Tucson. This game was pretty close for over three quarters, but then U.S. Oh, my gosh. UCLA blew it open at the end. Um, probably the most consequential thing from this game is that Arizona starting quarterback Jordan McLeod hurt his leg, and it looks like he'll be out for some time. But coming away from this game, were you more disappointed with UCLA or impressed by Arizona? Matt? Yeah, I'm... Um... I, I was I was more impressed with Arizona uh, until McLeod went down. Um, I have been saying for a long time that I fear Arizona a lot more than I do Colorado because I know Colorado can't score, um, and Arizona could. And the second McLeod went out, Arizona secured the number 12 spot, and I don't think they're winning a game this year. Um, the drop-off from McLeod to Cruz was significant. We will see what happens. Um, you know, I don't. It, we'll see if Cruz gets the rest of the reps and, and that – increases Arizona's ability to be anything somewhat resembling functional on 5% of plays um, next week and throughout the rest of the season. But that I Arizona looked competent in this game and I, there's something going on. I, I don't know if it's not just not being announced or being held under wraps. I don't know why DTR is on the field right now. He very clearly cannot be effective in any way, shape or form. Um, against Arizona it's not going to matter because you're going to be able to do whatever you want whenever you want if you ran every single play that'd be fine um but Arizona looked really good under McLeod McLeod that is a tough tough injury for them because I think they were going to get somebody um and going to get a win and I don't think it's happening now with him being out that that did not look good and that is really really tough because he was he was growing a lot he was getting a lot better yeah, last week, or was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, Arizona played Oregon, and was there five interceptions? Yeah, yeah. it was five. From McLeod. With like and three of them in the no, red zone. Yeah, no no interceptions in this game, um, albeit UCLA's defensive backs are trash cans. But I was really impressed with Jordan McLeod, and I picked this as my bad vibes game. I didn't – it's – I feel like it was the bad guy, bad vibes game that I felt the worst about going into. But I felt like pretty solid until the fourth quarter that Arizona might get something done. McLeod going out and Cruz coming in sealed the fate there. There was no hope. Cruz is Cruz is not good. I feel bad though because he's if McLeod's out, Cruz is probably the best option. I don't know. I don't unless they got a new walk on. <laughs> that can save them successful tree out but and it's just it's such a um unfortunate timing too because i think next week might have been arizona's best chance at getting a win this season they will talk about oh, it they would have had a bullet. colorado yeah i think if mcleod was playing versus colorado it would have actually been a pretty good matchup that offense versus colorado's defense i think it would have been fun to watch now it's <laughs> We'll talk about it, but I feel bad for Arizona. Um, UCLA, I'm not impressed by. DTR, what what are you doing, Dorian? He's so athletic and so talented, but it's just like, you've been here for so long. You should be playing better than this versus Arizona. Someone said on Twitter, I don't remember who said it. uh, I think it might have been in the group chat. 
DTR is like if you created a player in a video game, gave him 99 everything except awareness is zero. And I think that's a great that's a great description of him. It, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great from him. Uh, it wasn't great from anyone, but because Arizona is so bad, UCLA won, and by the end, they weren't really worried. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say. Just disappointed in UCLA, and Arizona is really, really bad without McLeod. They were bad with him, but now they are so bad. Yeah. UCLA's rushing game remains elite, though. Charbonnet is good. Charbonnet and, uh, and Brown. Yeah. Brown broke a big one later in the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, UCLA's run game is good. I do think, I don't know, maybe this is a function of Arizona's defense and the talent level they have because I feel like, uh, I I just, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think I've seen a couple of disappointing performances from UCLA's run game that makes me a little shaky. Um. Yeah, this game sucked. Uh, I hated every second of it, and not just because I was a UCLA fan. It was just bad. Um, I, uh, buddy Matt, what were you doing? This shit should have. This shit should have been Sicko's game of the week. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I I thought this was uh, a horrific game. I thought UCLA's offense was. Um, it it was one of those things where it felt like they were getting whatever they wanted um and then simultaneously shooting themselves in the foot or having a bad play and just completely throwing it away DTR was brutal in the first half like that might have been his worst half of the year um and then was he was okay in the second he, half they've admitted he was, he's like severely hurt but in a way that is just going to need season and like end of season surgery that he can't oh, hurt worse right like have yeah, they I mean, have no. they actually admitted that I no, um, and they would never. Sense, why would they ever admit injury stuff? No one ever does. Also, um, it's not a great. I don't think. I'm, I'm sure they would get bad press if they were to say, "Oh yeah, he's definitely hurt and he needs surgery." But well, and you know, it's just like coaching stuff around injuries and and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Arizona had a real shot with Jordan McLeod also, um, and we we have seen Gunner Cruz and we've seen him be not good, particularly for what Arizona is right now um, and what they are able to do. Gunner Cruz is is brutal, um, and it was like what his second. It was like the first play of the game was like a, a big sack for a loss, like at the one yard line at their own one yard line, and the next play was like. A screen that Gunnar Cruz threw into the dirt. Might have made um, it 60% of the way there. Maybe. Literally, it felt like he just threw it at the ground in front of him. Yeah. It looked like he was throwing it away into the ground, but like that was not what he was trying to do. Um, so I hope he, he develops, and um, if Jordan McLeod is any indication, if they just stick with Gunnar Cruz, maybe it's worth sticking out with him and seeing if he can develop, because I thought... They did a Jordan McLeod, um, Jetfish and his staff did a good job, I thought, of coaching up Jordan McLeod. I felt like they told him, hey, just like lift to play another down. He, if nothing was there, you saw Jordan McLeod just throw it away pretty frequently. Um, he wasn't trying to do too much. He wasn't um, trying to make plays out of nothing where he really was going to get in trouble. UCLA's uh, pass rush very, very rarely got home. And that's a huge issue for, I think, UCLA's defense. 
um, that they're just not able to get home against this Arizona offensive line. But when they did get home and they did put pressure on Jordan McLeod, he did a really good job of getting out and doing just enough to avoid a, a big sack. So um, I was impressed with Arizona, but as a UCLA fan, I'm way more disappointed with UCLA. Uh, this game felt like a loss. Um, it felt like a loss to be to be this competitive with a team that is now two years and, what, two weeks without a win? Um, granted, I think Arizona's better than what people are sort of telling us right now, although not with Gunnar Cruz. I think with Gunnar Cruz, we might see, like, Colorado-level um, bad offense. It's going to be bad. Yeah, I think it's, I think, yeah, I think Arizona, Colorado, I, I would have picked Arizona to beat Colorado by 20 points going into next week. And now that's, that's like Sicko's game of the century. Sorry not to take your bit. If I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be the game. If it's not, I don't know what you're thinking. I Matt, really but... want to not pick it. Cause like, this is going <laughs> to be, can't. this is going to be so like, this is the epitome of what Sicko's is where it's like, yes like watch this this is going to be incredible but like actually everybody should genuinely watch this and so i feel like it can't be a sickos like, like yeah that's UConn a good point. game exactly yeah you the yukon <laughs> umass that just happened like everybody was like yes you have to watch this one of these teams is finally going to get a win that's exactly what i feel like this game is going to look like and i honestly like i <laughs> Spo- I'm yeah, more excited sure, we'll for spoil that than this. Utah Arizona State. I would have had Utah Arizona State as the Sickos game, honestly, um, if McLeod wasn't out. Wow. Buddy, okay, Pac-12 after dark. Both of these are the two best defenses in the Pac-12, and Gilmore is on the call. Oh, I didn't know Gilmore. The Gilmore. Factor. That shit's a Sickos oh. game. That thing's yeah, gonna, be God, gonna be disgusting. <laughs> All right, um, so that's it for this weekend's games. We don't have our Pac-12 podcast power rankings yet, but you'll see them sometime tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this, you'll see them sometime Monday. Go to our Twitter. That doesn't make any sense. We're not going to talk about them on this episode. Um, We are officially halfway through the college football season. We just finished week six, so let's do some mid-season awards. Like I'm about to watch like a 90s SeaWorld performance. Yeah. Like I was really, I was expecting some sort of Olympic kind of theme. That's what there. I was thinking. Hmm. I was waiting for Mike Tarico to come on. All right. So let's start with your Pac-12 most valuable player, your MVP. Now there are a bunch of different ways to define most valuable. Maybe you want to go with best player on the best team. Maybe you want to go with the player whose team you think will be the worst off without them. Or maybe you just want to go with the flat out best player in the league. I'll leave that up to you. So who is your Pac-12 MVP halfway through the season? Greg, you are very lucky and get to start us off. I'm so glad I get to go first here because that means I get to be the first one to say Devin Lloyd. I'm going with him. Oh my god. Because Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know that was it was a curveball there. You were we weren't expecting Carlos that. Carlos just committed an unalive. Oh my gosh, yeah, I Carlos love looks this. dead. I will be taking what? over a sound now. It's it's oh. justifiable and I'll explain why. Uh Utah's defense, as Avery said, has been great. If it hasn't been the best in the conference, I I I don't think you can definitively say there's a defense that's been better than them. Like, they've been great. By the way, uh, I just want to say for people who don't know, he's Utah's linebacker. And people actually don't know that. 
I think. So go ahead. People if you don't casuals. know that, watch games outside your own, please. Literally listen to any one of our podcasts. He gets mentioned in every single one. Every single one, because he's incredible. Uh, Mel Kuyper had him as the number 11 overall player for the Sears draft for a reason. Like, he's been fantastic. Uh, like, Utah's defense has been great, and he's been carrying the hell out of it. Like, without him, it would be so much worse. Uh, like... He he does everything. It's crazy. He, like he's great when he's in coverage. He's great in run defense. He's great rushing the passer from a blitz. And against USC, he lined up on the edge a few times, and he did a great job there too. Like he's just absurdly good. And now there is a great argument for Drake London too. But the reason that I uh, talked myself into going with Devin Lloyd instead is because uh, USC doesn't give a shit, and uh, Lundis. Because of that, London's brilliance means a lot less. Like, he's doing great, but it means nothing. Because who cares? That th- that season's a throwaway. And so I can justify picking Devin Lloyd because Utah's season, as of yet, is not a throwaway. And he has been incredible. Yeah, I... Wow, I was not expecting that. I figured you would pick Drake London. I'm very happy you picked Devin Lloyd so that I can select Drake London and not be copying you. Um, I think it's clear, and the way I define this, it doesn't matter that this is a throwaway season or like a rebuilding year for USC. I think it's very obvious that Drake London is the best player in this conference. There is nobody, I think, who has matched him. In his ability, um, I was reading a stat earlier today that he is leading. I think he's, I think he's was at one point in the season. I think last week he was leading the country in receptions and yards. But after um, yesterday, he is leading the country in receptions and second in yards, total yards by five yards, which is go Utes in my opinion. But the only. Uh, other player to like have done that recently is Devonte Smith who won the Heisman last year so I think like his stats and the and the upsetting thing about this with Drake London is USC is Garbo this year as we said and so a lot of this is going to get brushed under the rug but his stats like he is a Heisman contender stat level compared to a lot of the receivers who have been Heisman contenders the last few years so that's why he's my MVP is because in this dog shit dumpster fire that is USC he is the only bright light and the only reason to watch USC which is super crazy to say about a USC offense but that's why he's my MVP yeah, those are good. Uh, well, one of them was a good pick. Um, <laughs> I didn't say I think... Devin Lloyd is the best player in the conference. You said we could define it how we yes. wanted to define it, yes, so he... I defined it in my way, which means Devin yeah, Lloyd fair. is the MVP. And that's fair. <laughs> um, this is a hard one because I really wanted to pick a running back, but I think something weird is happening with like rushing attempts this year. I think coaches are getting super conservative. I think in a good way with how often they're giving running backs the ball. Um, the Pac-12, I went and just looked at like the top five uh, rushing leaders for the year. And the Pac-12's fifth leading rusher this season is Britton Brown, who's averaging 73 and a half yards a game. That's the lowest rushing yards per game average for the Pac-12's fifth leading rusher since at least the beginning of the Pac-12 era, if not longer. Like every year, it's typically like four to five different running backs are getting 100 yards a game, or at least like the top five ga- top five gays or guys are getting 80, 85 yards a game. Um, 
So yeah, there's just maybe they're just sort of distributing the ball. Maybe there's a lot of running backs who can do this work. Um, all that to say, I didn't go with a running back. Um, really thought about Rashad White, but I just couldn't couldn't pick him. I thought about a defensive player, and the first mi- one that came to mind was Caillou Blue Kelly, the Stanford defensive back. Um, he's been all over the place this year, and he's had a lot of moments where he's made himself super super visible. He also has the coolest name in the conference, Caillou Blue Kelly. Um, but in the end, I decided to go with the player that if you took them off the team, the team would just collapse. And for me, that was Tanner McKee. Um, fucker. Yeah, sorry, Matt. Uh, I, I think I, I think if you took Tanner McKee off of Stanford's uh, team right now, they would they would be nothing. Like they would be Colorado level. Is there? Offense. Okay, let's is, calm is it down. Jack West behind him? Jack West is behind. Oh, that's the one. Jack West. Oh. <laughs> they, yeah, I think he's right. He might be right. They, they can't run the ball. It'd be Arizona, they, y'all. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, mm, like, the numbers back it up. It'd be Arizona. Yeah. So, I, Matt, did you pick? Did you also pick Tanner McKee? Um, yeah, but I have a good backup, so... Yeah, I mean, okay, then I'll, I guess I'll just I'll just continue here and just say, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, Stanford's completely incapable of running the ball. They can't. They just uh, the one game where they did was uh, well, I guess two kind of. I guess Vanderbilt and USC. Um, w- without those games, they have no run game. They got they. We just saw they got thirteen rushing rushing yards against Arizona State. The entire offense runs through Tanner McKee, and it only runs through Tanner McKee because he's capable of carrying that sort of load offensively, game in and game out. Um, if you stick again, if you stick Jack Weston here, this is a horrible offense. Um, so yeah, Tanner McKee was my pick. I went with that sort of, uh, you know, the 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 player that's the most valuable to their team. The the most unreal part of him is is how little um, he is turning the ball over with that load that he is carrying. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, so my my number two MVP is is the vibes. Um, without the vibes, this conference is nothing. <laughs> um, we have incredibly boring, incredibly shit football, and. Um, we we need and so I mean I don't know maybe I I'm led to believe that ultimately the MVP is quite literally Avery the because she is an actual witch that is controlling hey. these vibes, um but uh, yeah I I I really I mean holy cow like even regardless of whether or not like the vibes actually make a difference on whether or not Stanford had a chance against Oregon or not but I just it, there is some. It, the quarterback play in this conference is a significant problem. Um, I don't actually know whether or not it's a conference issue as much as it may just be an issue with quarterback play across the country because there's a lot of places where it's con- a concern. Um, but it, it has led to some truly, truly frustrating football to watch um, when it comes to how much you can actually believe in a team on a week-to-week basis. And so we've gotten a lot of variants, and it's been a lot of fun. It'd be cool if Arizona State or, like, literally anybody could continue to really build and make a run to not have another parody-filled season. Yeah, I would like to say about the vibes is, while Arizona did not win, making me 3-1 and one in five picks... Arizona is that bad that not even the bad vibes could save them. So technically, the bad vibes were right. Arizona is just so bad. I'm 100% on the side of if McLeod doesn't get hurt, Arizona wins that game. I don't think Arizona would have won, but I do think it would have been really close. 
It would have been close. I think Arizona. It would have gone down. I think Arizona has the ball with the with the time expiring, man. Like I I think Arizona's got a chance in that game. I don't know. Is yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter, but yeah, the the process of the vibes is good. That has been proven over and over again. (laughs) All right, next up, this one's kind of straightforward, but who is your Pac twelve coach of the year midway through the season, Carlos? I have a strong suspicion that everyone's going to agree here. Um, and I uh, know they just had a disappointing loss, but it's Jonathan Smith, I think. Oregon State was p- picked to finish fifth in the North at Pac-12 Media Days. I don't think any of us seriously, like unironically, thought they would finish top three in the North. And I, I think said they would. I picked unironically, them to finish top three. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't fourth. with irony. It was vibrating, nope, Carlos. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't with irony. I didn't think they'd win the North. Which is my what became my ironic thing, but okay. I did think they would finish third. Okay, fair. All right, fair, fine. Um, I don't think anyone thought that they would finish top two in the North, um, and I think they're very well on their way to being competitive for the North and and competing really with Oregon. It's really just Oregon standing in their way, I think, for the North title, um, and I think they very well could win that outright. So I think Oregon State has some severe t- talent disadvantages. Um, but they look as good as the best teams in the conference right now, frankly, even, even with this loss to Washington state. So yeah, it's all, it's all Smitty for me. Yeah. Jonathan Smith, I think is the obvious non-sarcastic choice. My sarcastic choice is whoever's coaching USC. Thank you so much (laughs) for whatever, what you've been doing. Coach of the year, Clay Helton. Um, thank you for your service. My, my sarcastic pick, uh, because obviously Jonathan Smith uh, is Carl Durrell, because... Oh, I thought you were going to say Justin Wilcox. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I hadn't considered him. He has made me happy because he's made Carlos (laughs) sad. But um, uh, Carl Durrell has made me... I've had so much fun watching his his teams. (laughs) Like, more fun than I've had watching any other team, because they're so bad, and I'm so grateful to him. They, uh, Carl Durrell is the innovator of the greatest offense I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's a master. Uh, yeah, a yeah. Yeah, he is a, oh, wow. You have to try really hard to have an offense that bad and that entertaining. So I will actually attack this with some seriousness since Thank you, Matt. we're just going to be sarcastic. Uh, my answer is no. <laughs> wow, pulling a page out of Greg's uh, book no, on thank this you. That one. Yeah, that's um, good. It be, and, and here's the reason why, because on a very, very serious note, uh, Jonathan Smith is very clearly number one. Number two is David Shaw, y'all. I did consider him, and then so, I decided I refused no, to pick that. I'm going with Carl Durant. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> we'll, uh, on we'll, a serious we note, can drop I feel this, like... Uh, we can drop this award. I feel like you you also have to be impressed with Kyle Whittingham just being a coach with with what's happened the last year with the circumstances of Utah him just existing as a coach I think is impressive but I'm not going to say he's the best coach in the conference because of it but he's top three all right next award who is your Pac-12 rookie of the year this actually doesn't need to be a freshman of the year but someone who's in their first season in the conference so a grad transfer undergrad transfer or it could be an actual freshman so Matt you get to go first on this one this is where our boy Tanner McKee shines um 
the fact that he is even in consideration for an MVP award is um, extremely impressive. And again, I newcomers, freshmen, they make mistakes and they hurt their team even within flashes of brilliance. And he hasn't. And that's been incredibly, um, incredibly impressive. He's been really, really good. It is a shame because I don't see a route that he doesn't get wasted at Stanford, which sucks. Yeah, I think Tanner McKee kind of is a clear freshman standout here. He doesn't look like a freshman, like at quarterback. Well, I think freshman. I mean, that, he hasn't he's, thrown. He's one of them BYU freshmen. Ah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> but still, he like hasn't played football in a while, so I don't know. I think he him not throwing interceptions until this last game is pretty impressive, and the obvious pick for me, but. Um, Zach Charbonnet is my second choice here. He's a transfer from Michigan. I think he's just been a huge standout. This is actually a really hard, I don't know, maybe I'm missing a lot of people, but I feel like there hasn't been like a ton of newcomers making waves, but I think Zach Charbonnet has just been really great on UCLA, um, offense and it's been a ton of fun to watch him play and just his big runs. He does, he does it all. And so He's been great since transferring from Michigan. Yeah, this is one I uh, struggled to come up with a lot of candidates for also, and the only two I wrote down were Tanner McKee, Zach Charbonnet. Both of them have been great at what they do. McKee's been more impressive to me just because he's a freshman. This is his first year playing football since high school. And, uh, you know, Charbonnet was playing high-level football in the Big Ten for a few years before coming here, right? So... Yeah, but both of them have been very impressive. So it's got to be those two at the top, unless I'm forgetting someone really good. Well, there's always Kareen Reed at Utah that's more of a homer pick. He's a linebacker freshman yeah, at Utah. Yeah, I think that's more who's... of a niche pick. He hasn't been. Yeah, he level. was Pac 12 freshman of the year last week, though. Um, He had a really great game and has kind of stood out as a, you know, he's only played freshman. Two games, though, also. And, I know, and so. but true freshman. To your on point Utah, about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to your point about how this has been a harder one to pick this year, like 2020 meant we saw a lot of of players on the field, like between just the fact that it didn't matter and the fact that there was a lot of people held out from COVID protocols. We, we got to see a lot of these players come into the season. So, yeah, there really hasn't been very many options. Yeah, I think um, there have not been very many options. Um, I think uh, it's unfortunate that Justin Flo, kind of uh, the the linebacker out of Oregon, got hurt early on. I think he would have been a really good contender. Um, I think it has to be Tanner McKee. Um, I just it's it's hard to think about who has had a more impactful, um, you know, per, who's had more impactful performances might, for their team. It might be McLeod. <laughs> Yeah, Jordan McLeod would have been another great one in just his very, very short time there. Um, I really like the Zach Charbonnet pick as someone who is coming here for the first year from Michigan, but I, I do think it's Tanner McKee. Another guy that I think is out due to injury that I, he actually may – I've heard he's been practicing. He actually may win Pac-12 freshman offense, uh, off, uh, freshman of the year. Uh, Jackson Dart, I've heard he's been practicing. Um, sounds like he may be back. Um, so very we'll excited for USC to win out and make us completely <laughs> reevaluate all of these offensive performances oh, for dear. a sixth <laughs> time this year. That'll be great. Just maximum that chaos sounds about this year. right for this conference. Yep. All right. 
This is a less of a serious award, but one reason we all love this stupid conference is because it's extremely funny. So with that, what is the funniest Pac-12 moment of the season so far, Greg? I think it has to be, unless I forgot another one. It's got to be UW losing to Montana, right? Like, that was <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, God, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> that was so funny. Shit, I forgot about that, too. <laughs> like, the meltdowns just... on Twitter. I've never seen anything like it. I was laughing the whole time. Like, as a Pac-12 fan, it was sad, but I was 100% rooting for Montana because it was so, so funny. But, like, oh, man, John Donovan, man, like... I was scared for his life after that game. Uh, however, UW had another one that, if like so, in the UW Cal game, Jimmy Lake called that timeout, <laughs> and Cal almost scored. And if they'd made that field goal, that would have been my pick because that would have been so funny if Jimmy Jimmy Lake single handedly lost the game with just piss poor game management. With the fact that both of mine are uh, from Washington shows it's not been a great season for them. But yeah. Yeah, that the best thing about the Utah Montana thing is a is a lot of people thought Washington was going to win the North. I'm a dumbass who thought they would make the playoffs. I'm sorry, I apologize publicly for that. Um, that was just so fucking funny. I think I think my pick for the funniest moment. Oh, man, I think it's I think it's DTR's forward pass oh, when he was seven yards wow, I of no, no, 13 and a half 13 and a half <laughs> yards was, past the line of scrimmage like, it was such like a small thing but like if you were watching that game it was so hilarious to watch him like run and still be looking for the pass as he was running straight forward and even <laughs> the people on call were like Wait, is he looking for the throw as he's still sprinting <laughs> downfield? I was, I was like, what the fuck is DTR doing? What is happening? The awareness literally is a perfect player besides his awareness. What is going on? That was brilliant. I mean, a, a runner-up for me is when Washington's punter had a bad snap oh, and then still kicked the, the yeah. ball again. Oh. The worst part about it, though, is that the punt was successful, unlike mm. last year where he did the same thing and it ended up with Oregon State getting a touchdown because of it. Mm. I thought that, that would have just too. been chef's kiss if it would have actually happened, and I'm really angry that it didn't. <laughs> Uh, I was like struggling to come up with funniest moments. Um, and the fact that you two immediately brought up things that I completely forgot about shows just how stupid this conference actually is. Yeah. yeah I mean, I had, I, I had a list. Um, I did think about Washington state Cal where, uh, Cal blocked a Washington state punt and somehow Washington state picked it back up and, and got ran it for a first down. down. I forgot about that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. That's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen, but I'm not picking it because no one saw it because it was a sickos game. It was on Pac-12 <laughs> networks. No one was watching it. I also thought about like just last week, Mario Cristobal inexplicably blowing the game to Stanford and calling for a pass <laughs> and then calling a timeout and like giving Stanford extra time. Or but I Stanford was hilarious. Yeah, I ended up going um, with Colorado getting only 63 yards against Minnesota in. Week oh my three. god. Um, (laughs) that was like just a peak like the peak of colorado yardage watch where it was just like they are not able to do 
anything. Um, and it sparked an entire uh, an entire cult, I think, a cult of me and Greg <laughs> being huge Colorado <laughs> yes. offense fans. Um, so I that's the one I picked. I went I went with Colorado getting sixty three net yards against Minnesota. Um. Yeah, all all great things you guys definitely mentioned about half of my list. Um, the two that are left on my list are Utah fumbling on every single drive against Washington State. Oh yeah. Um, oh, after yeah. about the third drive, <laughs> you started like trying to jinx it and say like, "I wonder how Utah's gonna fumble on this one," and then they it still they kept would fumbling. Um, <laughs> they fumbled was, in new ways every time. Yeah, too. it was pretty amazing. They got creative um, about it. I think it was like six different players, wasn't it? Like it was, it was like yeah. further it, down the field uh-huh, each time. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, that one was pretty insane. Um, the second one for me was definitely just our picks and our shit talking of our picks. And then the subsequent, like, oh, wait, now, like, you're right about the pick and then you're wrong about the pick. Um, Avery calling Washington a playoff team. Um, Me calling Oregon a playoff team. Greg subsequently absolutely flaming the shit out of us and saying, I fucking told you that nobody was a playoff team. And then Oregon beating Ohio State. To then beat Ohio State (laughs) and, like, look entirely like a playoff team. To now, I don't even know if, like, Bulls – I think Bulls are going to, like, sue to get out of the Bull tie-ins and try to take (laughs) other teams. Under Uh, Armour, UCLA style. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, absolutely absurd um, how much it's just impossible to pick what is actually going to happen in this conference. All right. Should we move on to our picks? We have five Pac-12 games this week. Um, USC and Oregon State are on buys. Damn it. I wanted to watch Beavlet, but that's okay. They can recoup. Um, We start on Friday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time with Cal traveling to Eugene to play Oregon. Oregon is a 14-point favorite. Surely nothing could go wrong here. Who wins? Who covers? Carlos. Uh, Matt's idea about... Uh, Friday night road teams doing poorly is sticking with me now. So I and or and Cal is horrid, horrid. Um, I'm gonna say Oregon covers. I think they should win. If Oregon, Oregon needs to figure their shit out. They need to win by more than 14. I think. Yeah, Oregon's gonna, Oregon's gonna win if Cal wins this game. I seriously have no idea what's going on in this conference anymore. Cal is one not good. Two is playing at Eugene on a Friday night. They don't have a shot, so I think they'll cover. I hate both of these teams coming off a bye. Um, I think Oregon wins. I think they cover. I don't know that anybody scores 30 points. I think this is going to be a really, really ugly and close first half. Uh, I think Oregon, I'm confident Oregon winning and think they'll probably cover but I definitely don't feel good enough to bet on it because you never know they might just not care yeah we'll see how that one goes we love some Pac-12 after dark on Friday nights um at 12 30 p.m pacific time Arizona is traveling to Boulder Colorado Colorado is a five-point favorite Matt yeah we already know <laughs> we are so gross here um Y'all, we're, we're, we're going to go into some numbers. Um, this is, so this is per SP Plus, the two worst teams in the Pac-12. Um, this is uh, the 106th team uh, against the 109th team. Uh, for those of you um, who are 
unfamiliar with non-P5 teams um, and and the extension that is uh, Division One college football, there's 130 teams. Um, so there's supposedly 21 teams that are worse than these two. Um, you know the saying, unstoppable force meets an immovable object? This is an extremely movable object getting hit by a freaking feather. Um, Arizona's offense is ranked 105th in the nation. CU's defense ranked 89th in the nation. Uh, Colorado is 117th in offense. I don't know how there's 13 teams worse. Uh, Arizona's defense ranked 108th. Um, I do not know how this game is going to go. I am dead serious. If McLeod was going to be in this game, I would not actually pick this as a sickos game. I really think you should watch this. I really want to go. This is both of these teams only chance to win a football game this year. This is their Super Bowl. We joke a lot about that in college football to talk shit. This is real. Actually, one of y'all needs to win this game. Colorado fans, please show up. Get hyped. I want an atmosphere. Let's make this big. Yeah, I have no idea. Wait, who's your pick? Don't give it the <laughs> literally anybody that doesn't watch. Um, <laughs> shit, I yeah, I'm gonna go Colorado. I think Colorado's gonna get it. I think. Are the, they gonna cover that huge five point the, spread? Can they score five points? I, somebody's gonna have to. I don't think. Yeah, no, I yeah, I'll I'll go Colorado to to win. Um, I I think they win by two field goals. I think it'll be a six point game. So, sure. <laughs> Yeah, you need to watch this game. Like, wake up in the morning, watch this game first thing. This is gonna be this is gonna be elite. Um, gosh, I think Colorado's gonna win just because their defense is better than Arizona's. Um, I don't think they're gonna cover though. I really think this game is gonna end like six to three. It ends on um, a missed field goal, right? Yeah. Uh, well, no, because it'll end with like. A really stupid pass play because they won't be in field goal range at the a, end of the a, game. a triple doink yeah so i'm gonna pick yeah colorado to win arizona to cover for me I, i've never been more excited for a football game in my life i don't know if you can tell based on the sounds of pleasure i've made every time the game's been mentioned uh i don't know what the total is but the under will hit in this game bet money on the under i don't care if the total is 10 bet the under uh, with that being said, with McLeod, with McLeod out, I'm conflicted. However, and like I saw that and I was like, all right, I'll pick Colorado to win that game. However, then I saw the spread. It's Colorado, five point favorites, and I don't give a fuck anymore. On principle, I am not taking Colorado to win or cover. Arizona's gonna find a way to win this game. I don't know how. They're gonna do it though. I can't wait. <sighs> yeah, I. Something about this game gives me bad vibes. I, I think an obvious bad pick vibes. is Colorado. Uh, the obvious pick is Colorado, I think, because Gunner Cruz is bad. I think Arizona's going to figure it out. I, exactly. I don't see them. I, I don't see them. Yes. I, you got to stick to I, the I principle. Arizona, I think Arizona's going to figure something out. I think Arizona's going to win this game. Avery, who'd you pick? Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Okay, cool. I wasn't listening. They both bad vibes are coming from both sides, and by <laughs> function of math is, and oh PEMDAS, they cancel out. <laughs> negative times a negative is a positive. Yes. <laughs> but also, like day drinking grows this exponentially. Like, oh, this is going to be so good. I'm the math so excited. Is wild. Yeah. <laughs> Scientists can't predict this, which is why I Vegas can't wait is to see. Arizona's going to win. 
I can't wait to see what the total is set at. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Ugh, it has to be it. like 12, right? <laughs> yeah. I like I should be institutionalized if I wake up at like three in the morning and drive out to this thing and then drive home and like just call out sick that day, right? No, you, you that would make you sane. That's self-care. I think you should go. <laughs> like going, driving eight hours there, watching the game and driving eight hours home all in a day. That's... We'll give you the Instagram login. Oh my gosh. Just live stream the just, whole drive. just fly in? It's a cheap flight. I've heard bad things about Denver's airport. I'm I'm not oh. brave enough. <laughs> we actually, yes, yes. That's I've never had an issue with Denver's airport. Okay, moving on. Stanford travels to Pullman to play Washington State at 4:30 Pacific time. Stanford is a one-point favorite. Greg, I'm not sure about anything this week, and uh, this follows the theme. I have no fucking clue what's gonna happen in this game. Uh, anything could happen, and it wouldn't be surprising. However, I'm going to take Stanford purely because Tanner McKee is going to be the best player in the game. And so I'm just going to take Tanner McKee and hope. Yeah. Who who covers? Oh, wait. That's there, a one-point one one point game. Point. So, I, <laughs> I can do math. Push. All right. I, Push it. I, I um, am going to flip a coin live on no truck stops to decide I think that's who a good system. to win this game. Because um, I have no idea. So... Here you have go. a physical. You have physical like money in front of you right now. Oh wait, who the hell does that? You have to call it. Wazoo is heads. Okay. And uh, Stanford is tails. Okay. Okay. It is heads. Washington State. Congratulations on the wow. win. <laughs> Washington State covers. A win uh, and a win and getting rid of your coach all on the same day. Congratulations. Speaking. <laughs> Speaking of, I think this is Nick Rolovich's swan song. I think this is what a the great way to go out. Vaccine. We'll talk about this more. Vaccine mandates October 18th. This game is October 16th. This might be Nick Rolovich's last game, um, and players seem to like him. Yeah, give me Washington State. I think Washington State's gonna win this. Two of the most unpredictable th- teams I think in the conference. Like I, n- like no way to know what either of these teams are gonna do on any given week. I'm gonna pick Washington State because they have the coach going away factor here. Auditioning for the Ole Miss job, um, I think, is is what Rolovich is doing right now. Which job is Lane Kiffin getting? LSU? Uh, UCLA. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> UCLA head coach Lane Kiffin, let's go. That pettiness is going to be wonderful. Uh, this is clearly competent Stanford here. Um, Stanford big in this one. Big, big win that's, for Stanford that's here. Not what, that's not what the coin said. Well, <laughs> <laughs> This is actually how I choose bad vibes. <laughs> um, now everyone knows my magic trick. Okay, so at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, UCLA is traveling to Seattle to play Washington. The Huskies are also a one-point favorite. Carlos, what do you think? Um... Oh my goodness, what an indictment on one point Whoa. spread. Oh my. <laughs> we were just talking uh, about they it. lost you to an FCS, FCS Wow, the uh you know what? I feel like there's four there's three or four sickos game games. This of is the a week. sickos week. Yeah. This is a <laughs> this week huge is, this sickos week. Is disgusting. Week. UCLA's getting rinsed here. I think UCLA gets rinsed. I think it's Washington. I think Washington wins by like two scores. I'm not even sure they can get two scores, but it's UCLA's defense, and UCLA's defense might be at USC's defensive level right now. So yeah, give me Washington. Uh, I am also going Washington. 
Um, UCLA secondary is straight up doo-doo. Um, yep. We're going with it. Um, with that one, I thought a lot about this one. And what it came down to is that I think, well, I guess it depends. If DTR looks like he did this week, they're, they're going to lose. But if he looks better, I think UCLA is more equipped to exploit. Like, they're more equipped to score on UW's defense because Dylan Morris is still UCLA's... I mean, <laughs> Dylan Morris is still Washington's quarterback. And he will miss open guys, even if uh, UCLA is leaving him open. And so I'm going to go with UCLA and hope. Another one for me where it's just hope. Yeah, I'm going to choose Washington, too. I'm shocked by this one. I thought more of you would choose UCLA, so that's kind of embarrassing. UCLA's defense, Bruins. once again, the worst UCLA's unit on the field. is so bad. I'm sorry. Such a bummer. Um, but yeah, Washington's going to win that one. All right. Our first rivalry game of the season. Arizona State travels to Salt Lake City to play Utah in the Unholy War. ASU is a one-point favorite. A lot of one-point favorites. Um, who you got, Matt? Um, I got me because I'm watching this one on mute. Um, <laughs> I really don't want to pick this one. Um, I don't like anything about this game, honestly, for either team. Uh, I, again, this was really close to being my sickos pick. I will pick Utah. Um, purely, purely Jane Daniels uh, PTSD. Just like sees ghosts. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I have, I'm not thinking with my brain in any way, shape, or form on that, but I don't see a reason why ASU would win either. So probably ASU by three scores, but yeah, let's pick Utah. I don't know if I can choose this as a sickos game. I'm not a sickos game, excuse me, a bad vibes game. I think you can. Do it. But Do I it. think I can because ASU's ranked and Utah's not, right? And because I'm ASU gonna... fans are so excited. But the... The line is just so confusing. ASU's ranked 18th in the country right now. That's embarrassing that they're only one-point favorites. Um, Utah's going to win this game. It's in Salt Lake City. It's late at night. Arizona State has looked like the most complete team in the Pac-12. Therefore, they will look not like that this week because that's how our conference goes. Um, so, give me Utah. I don't feel good about it, but here we go. One less team ranked. Let's go. Go Pac-12. My brain tells me I should take ASU. I've been picking ASU to win this game for literal months, but I don't give a fuck. I'm picking Utah because the game is someone is in... forcing you to pick Utah against your will. No, actually, uh, <laughs> that's, I know usually when people pick Utah, that's the case. But uh, in this case, of my own free will, I am taking Utah because. It is in Salt Lake City, and I remember the last time Jaden Daniels played in Salt Lake City, and that was a disaster for ASU. And obviously, it's a different team, but it's no, still but the Utah vibes. defense. Exactly, the vibes. Jaden Daniels has vibes. bad vibes in Salt Lake City. We, I remember He's his interview in Pac-12 Media Days when he talked about playing in Salt Lake City. I don't know if y'all do. It's because of his recruitment. He made the bad vibes. Yeah, he did right. it to himself. But yeah, ASU should win. I don't think they will. Uh, We've yeah, all this. Y'all are nuts. <laughs> ASU by two touchdowns. I, that means Utah's going to win if Carlos is uh, picking ASU. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I, they're they're a much better team. I will say though, I'm really glad US uh, Utah beat the shit out of USC because I have been since the end of last year. I was like, oh, that Utah ASU game is gonna be so much good. And the shine on, uh, on it has kind of been worn off by Utah's anemic offensive performances, ASU's dumb loss to BYU. But I still think it's an intriguing game. I still think it's the best, most entertaining game of the week. I do think that Utah's defense has not been tested quite like this. I do think Arizona State's offense has not been tested like this. Uh, Arizona State's defense should make mincemeat of Utah's offense, but who knows? You know, uh, it's in Salt Lake City. It's a Pac-12 after dark game, kind of, at 7 o'clock. So, yeah, but either way, give me Arizona State by two touchdowns. I just want right. to I just want to comment on some of these win column picks. Uh, Avery picking Colorado, Washington State, Washington, and Utah all in the same week. Um, we have Arizona, uh, Washington State, and Washington all getting picked by Carlos. I love this so much. Everybody I took three love. underdogs, and the one favorite I took was a one point favorite. Yeah, Very everybody out of for extremely me. happy. I flipped, I literally flipped a coin for one of my picks, so that's that shows you how we're doing over here. In uh, no truck stops. Accepted that we west, know nothing. East. That's good. Do you guys want to uh, I... update on second place? Anybody interested in that? Me and Avery are tied, right? Yep. You and Avery tied. Yeah. Uh, falling this further This week's a big behind. week for us. Yeah, I I think I've recovered a little bit, if I remember correctly. Not at all. You literally have not nope. moved off of one game off of five hundred, and that's just because <laughs> that's just because there's odd games. Greg and I picked very differently this week, so this is going to put a big dent you in did. second place going up against each other in three games <laughs> yep all right okay so that's all we have as always follow us on twitter and instagram at no truck stops pod and send us an email at no truck stops podcast at gmail.com and also we'll be doing some basketball stuff soon we know that some of y'all are out on basketball but we are going to do our best to convince you to watch pac 12 hoops this season because they're just beautiful beautiful so you'll see that in your feeds at some point to be announced as for me, Carlos, Matt, and Greg, thank you for listening. And remember, there's no truck stops here. Not even one. Sun don't shine, bloody weather suits me fine. Pour another best wine on the board tonight. I think I'll be a superstar.